Hi, and welcome to episode five of Blockstream Talk. This week, we're talking to Moritz Wiedersheim, CEO and co-founder at Spectre Solutions. Launched in 2018, Spectre is focused on providing wallet software, firmware, and hardware solutions for Bitcoiners and enterprises. Back in October, Moritz wrote a four-part blog series titled Liquid for Bitcoiners. The series went through some of the use cases that are now possible through Spectre's integration with Liquid. So not only do we go through these, but he's also recently been to El Salvador. So I was keen to talk to him about what's happening on the ground at the epicenter of Lightning Network adoption, and to get his impressions on El Salvador's recently announced Bitcoin bond. As always, make sure to subscribe and hit the like button, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Great. Hi, Moritz. How are you doing? Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this with us today. Hi, Jesse. Pleasure to be on. Very excited to, to join you on the podcast here. That's great. Uh, maybe to start, you can do a high-level introduction, who you are and what you're working on. Um, so my name is Moritz. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Spectre Solutions. Um, we are a, a Bitcoin-only company and we are... Uh, we are working on specifically custody solutions, hardware solutions, and any kind of firmware enterprise custody solutions, which is which is needed for for Bitcoin companies. But um, we had recently quite some success with the Spectre desktop, and uh, which is very much focused on the individual Bitcoiner and uh, his his tool set, to say so. So I think Bitcoin in a lot of ways is really the last bastion for critical thinking, right? If you look around at all the chaos in markets and in the world kind of globally right now. Um, and, and, and Bitcoiners, I think there's some people in the community that are contrarians almost to a fault. And, and even Liquid gets a lot of pushback from Bitcoiners. Um, we got a bit of a taste of that, I think, with the Blockstream mining note. I think even the El Salvador bond has got some pushback from, from, from Bitcoiners. What are the criticisms of Liquid that you hear specifically from Bitcoiners? And how do you address those criticisms? Um, well, um, I, 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 I hear a lot of criticisms, at the, especially technical conferences and stuff, or when it's understood as a competition to Lightning. I think Lightning is great and is, is, a, is a very specific tool that is helping us to bring um, Bitcoin to the retail, um, retail payment markets and is solving a lot of the also um, online uh, web shop payment um, in, um, infrastructure problems which we originally had in, in, uh, in the internet when, we, when it was created in the 90s. And uh, I think Liquid is a, is a different tool. Uh, so, and um, there, I think there's the crooks that uh, the Bitcoiners were also, me myself, like quite traumatized by the shitcoining going on, especially in 2017, where like, like every Mickey Mouse token was, was pumped up and you had all this craziness with the ICOs. And now we have this, we, we thought we were through this and now we are again at, at all this uh, uh, Dogecoin copies being traded and stuff. And, and like people just, just trying to catch the next token to gamble. I would say there's no end to that. That, that never ends. Like one thing I've learned, I think, is that the human appetite for Ponzi is is unending that will never end so so indeed so when when bitcoiners come and look at liquid and see okay what is blockstream working on there uh, what is this token factory thingy here why does it make sense 
they they really struggle with that and uh, and it's 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 natural it's an immune reaction maybe even like you say like okay what's what's going on here but um for us like we are bitcoin only and it took us really some time and months and discussions internally um if we want to do this how we want to do this how do we understand it and how what's the specific advantages of of liquid and and going forward what are the, the different use cases which are which are interesting all right great um so you have a, a blog series in which you discuss a hyper bitcoinized future where the ecosystem grows to a point where you need services backed by bitcoin maybe you could take a step back from that and then first kind of let us know what hyper bitcoinization is what is that idea and the, basically that the fiat world and all this uh, um, it's just evaporating itself. Like they, they can't resist printing money and they're destroying um, the, the fiat currencies, the, the, the value of it. And, um, and hyperbitcoinization will bring some sort of sanity back into it just by introducing uh, real interest rates again in Bitcoin. Because I think like if you start manipulating interest rates and bringing them to negative as we have it in Europe and, and in a lot of the bonds market, then um, you're, you're changing the incentive structure on a very fundamental level for the, for the whole society and for the whole humanity. So people start consuming their, all their future income. And in, now they, they, they drive way too big cars because the leasing rates are too cheap. They start building uh, a lot of real estate. So I'm, I'm currently in Panama here. If you go to the, uh, and see the apartments building here and you really check every night whatever and where the lights are on you can see that probably a third or the half of the buildings are actually empty like there's nobody living in there so there's a lot of misallocation of capital and hyperbitcoinization will reintroduce hard money again and sound money and will force people to um, correct their economic calculation and financial calculations again. So in that in that kind of situation in like a Bitcoin dominant market, what are the services that you would need in that kind of system that can't be provided by by Bitcoin? And 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 why do you think it's important to have something like Liquid where there was no ICO type coin attached to it? The core thesis of of the hyper Bitcoinization is like that. Um, Bitcoin is such a strong infrastructure, cryptographically decentralized and, and in, in just in this, in this infrastructure, that it is the best store of value technology in the world. And it will suck out a lot of the monetary premium we have in all these different assets and, 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 and concentrate it into this digital store of value and will become the, the dominant global store of value. And then you have to ask yourself, in a hyper-Bitcoinized world, you will still have um, companies and and uh, infrastructure projects which will need cop capital which have to raise equity and and issue bonds to finance their their plans and their operations and their, uh, and their business development so it's in that sense you have to ask yourself where do we uh, where do we raise capital the best and the best uh, Location for me is like something which is very native to Bitcoin, which uses Bitcoin as its native token and is as close as possible to this central global store of value. You want to have at least friction. You want to raise capital there and then maybe 
restructure around these financial products to bring it into the traditional markets. Um, as you, as I understand from your last podcast, you're talking to some custody providers for the Blockstream mining node. So maybe you guys are actually working on repackaging the Blockstream mining node into something which traditional investors can 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 go into. Yeah, I think that's one of the big challenges for us um, is to bridge that gap, right? So I think there's a huge amount of pent up demand for Bitcoin and and and, and Bitcoin related assets that's frustrated by things like mandate and and regulatory restrictions. And I think to a lot of Bitcoiners, it might be funny because as retail investors, we have such an advantage where we can just go out and buy Bitcoin and self-custody it. And if you're a non-qualified US investor, you can just go out and buy the BMN and self-custody it. But for the big fish, they need to have it both the Bitcoin and, and the BMN, they needed to have it custodied with you know someone that they're comfortable with and that ticks all the regulatory boxes. So I think in some ways for Bitcoiners, it probably feels a little bit backwards, but that's how the market is set up. And, and we probably need to take a step backwards to, to take a big kind of leap forwards. Um, sometimes I think is how you have to look at it. So that said, um, we have this um, financial market infrastructure aspect and um, uh, Especially for me going forward, if we want to build something like the Bitcoin city. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the free private cities idea. I'm an ambassador for the free private cities institution. I think free private cities or citadels will be the infrastructure investment in a, a it will be a great investment market and a great project development market. When you think about how we restructure the, the market of living together and how we can introduce new governments models there. But um, like this from a financial market side, but if you look at it as at a Bitcoin, like why should I use Bitcoin uh, on liquid or liquid Bitcoin? There's a, it's a great tool. I wouldn't hodl on liquid Bitcoin, my Bitcoin. So I always would hodl on my Bitcoin on chain. But if I, if I want, to, want to make use of specific tools, I think the confidential transactions are, are very interesting to improve your privacy. And um, also the whole stablecoin game is, is, is a lot of economic activity. So the, when we look back to last summer, 2020, I think the market was at, I don't know, five or 10 billion US dollars. And now I think we have in total something like $90 billion of um, stablecoin issued. So, but most of this is happening on, on USDC, on Tron and on Ethereum, especially uh, the Ether is happening on Tron and Ethereum. And uh, liquid, I want to have I want to have this economic activity, which uh, there's demand for it, and I can see it uh, with remittances here in, uh, in locally in Panama, people sending money home to Venezuela. They use um, uh, stable coins. They don't care about the superior monetary asset. They just want to send 500 bucks from here to Venezuela, and they want to have 500 bucks arriving because otherwise. They have a discussion about Bitcoin volatility with their family, and it's something they, they certainly want to avoid. Yeah. The, so what's the view of towards Tether in, in Latin and South America? Because I, I feel like I've noticed a big disparity between Asia and primarily the United States. Because in Asia, I think the attitude is much more practical. They're like, Tether works very well as a tool. They actually, a lot of people within China, as I understand it, I'm in Taiwan, a lot of people within China, as I understand it, don't actually know that there's any difference between Tether and the US dollar. <laughs> and, and they don't care. They don't care. They just say, this is a tool that works for today. If it breaks and I can't use it tomorrow, then I'll use something else. 
So it's a very pragmatic view. Is that kind of the same thing in 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 your in where you're at at the moment? Yes, exactly. So um, I have Bitcoiners here who basically use Tether to to support their family, and um, they are just very pragmatic. They need um, to move five hundred dollar value without volatility from A to B, and then the, most of it happens in in the in the in the Binance backend. So. Um, you exchange your Bitcoin for US dollar tether. You send it in the back end, peer to peer, through the back end to to your I don't know family member, and the family member then is selling it for bolivars. And the surprising thing is that the bolivar is actually still used in Venezuela. Um, it's 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 just in digital form, but you to pay some bills, uh, specific bills, you still need the bolivar. So this. Uh, Bolivar uh, is still um, in, uh, still being used, is still being being around. So this sort of fiat coin have a, have uh, survived longer than we would expect, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There, no, I mean, there's just massive demand for low volatility, low friction assets. It's just the demand is is, is bottomless, and like you said, that's why there's so much um, value stored in specifically those two usdc and usdt and it's also something I, I could observe in el salvador like when i was there the first time in july um the market just went from sixty thousand uh, dollars to thirty thousand dollars bitcoin and the the village the bitcoin beach was was really experiencing the first bear market and uh so the so the the merchants really had a problem because you, all your all your revenue just got cut in half and you have to um, you have to pay suppliers and all this. So this can be very uncomfortable for a small hotel or a small uh, grocery store or something like this. So um, Bitcoin doesn't provide this stability. And if you want to have working capital stability for your operations as a small company, you cannot take this currency risk. So you, you really have to look, how do you balance this out? So when you look like the Bitcoin Beach Wallet and Strike, there was quite a lot of uh, trading going back and forth. Um, especially because people needed to hold dollars for, 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 for the stability. And I think this is one of the next features also coming to, to the Bitcoin Beach Wallet and is very demanded is the, that in the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, you will have a US dollar account for people to, to, to be able to, to for the short term, to have stability. Yeah, I wonder also if the stablecoin market is kind of like a transitory market. Like I think if we flash forward five or 10 years and Bitcoin is kind of, you know, whatever your price forecast is, 500,000, a million dollars, it's kind of grown to, you know, significantly. And a lot of the volatility has come out of it because it's just so much a bigger and more mature asset. I, I wonder if once the volatility decreases, it's just there's no need anymore for stable coins. And then Bitcoin goes back to doing some of those things that maybe in 2013, 2014, we thought it could kind of do like cross-border remittances and um, being used by like domestic workers and, and and things like that to remit back to the Philippines or Indonesia or or that kind of use case. I see it exactly the same way. We need the stable coins as a as a bridge for the next five five years probably, and then it doesn't it doesn't it won't be needed anymore. And also like the whole Bitcoin backed loans thing. This will be a big thing for the next five maybe maybe ten years, but I think more like five years. It's a it's a business opportunity there and it's, it's booming. Um, and um, like, but if I want to take a loan, I mean, if I go and, and look at the different solutions, uh, I, I, I certainly, uh, my, the most attractive solution that I see is, is hodl hodl. I think 
Bitfinex will bring uh, much more liquidity into HODL HODL and HODL HODL will actually compete with the BlockFi's, the Unchained Capitals, with the Lendons and uh, and uh, also is, is, is providing additional value because if they pay you out in stablecoin, uh, you don't have to go through all the traditional uh, fiat banking system with this. So I think there's a there's a, a, a huge a huge um, value to 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 um, to have stable coins on liquid actually. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think um, Blockstream Finance also has aspirations to bring some liquidity into hodl hodl market as well. Um, so how do you? What's your view on self custodying? Stable coins, like how can you do that with Spectre Wallet? At um, Spectre Wallet, like our, our basic principles are like th- three points: is like you run your own node to have your own verification. That's why we only connect to Bitcoin Core, and we don't uh, um, support any Electrum services. Really, believe like run your own node, do your own verification. Also important is to understand that we uh, you operate your own wallet infrastructure which means that you do not connect to a third-party infrastructure, which is then preparing transactions and they have your addresses or your XPUBs. I think this is an underestimated um, attack vector. I think the regulator will come out um, quite soonish, uh, or it's possible that it come out quite soonish and go to the big hardware wallet operators and tell them, hey, guys, you are running the nodes here. You're running the wallet infrastructure. This is payment provider infrastructure. We don't care that you have the wallets. What you're doing here is uh, is uh, is payment provider operations. We want to know who your users are, and it cannot be possible that you do not KYC AML and then run this backend for these uh, wallets here. So I think it's very important as a Bitcoiner to understand: run your own node, do your own, um, have your own wallet, protect your privacy here, and um, then we have like different. Um, you want to keep your own, hold your own keys, uh, for, and have control over your your Bitcoin. And you can basically use Spectre Wallet with any um, hardware wallet. We have our own um, hardware wallet, which is the the Spectre um, um, uh, DIY, we call it. Do it yourself, because at the beginning, we had just a developer board and a scanner, which you can get off the shelf and plug it together yourself. It's around, if you want to do it yourself, it's around 100 bucks. They're very nice casings. And and then we added a, a smart card which allows you to um, use it as an enterprise um, grade. So this is pretty cool because the cypherpunks who want to do it, everything, do it, do it yourself. And the companies, they can use the same firmware to really um, uh, um, optimize for their security here. But we we love all the other hardware wallets in the market. So all the uh, Trezors, Ledgers, uh, Jades, we are like hardware dogs. So we, we have a multi-sig setup here. And basically, uh, we do the same with Liquid. And when we looked at what we should do next, everybody is super excited about, um, rightfully excited about Lightning. And we looked at, at Liquid and saw like, hey, maybe this is a, a niche which has not yet gotten the, the right traction. Maybe we can build some valuable infrastructure here, especially um, it follows more the, the Spectre model of focusing on custody, security, and where you have a node which you can switch off, where you can go offline. With Lightning, you have to always be online. And we have more this uh, this custody aspect here. So we just basically the same. You you can switch your node in your Spectre. You you run an Elements node in the background. You switch from the Bitcoin Core to the Elements uh, node, which is the Liquid node, basically. And then you can use the same keys you use in Bitcoin Core to set up um, a single SIG or multi SIG um, wallet and uh, operate your wallets in there. 
We are certainly looking into adding the AMP, the Blockstream AMP, the asset management platform, so that you actually can hodl your um, Blockstream mining node or you can hodl your, your Volcano bond on Spectre. And <laughs> it just sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. Things are moving very, very fast. I think this whole year... Uh, has moved forward a lot quicker than I think anybody would have expected. I think a year ago, if you would have talked about sovereign adoption, um, you know, nobody would have guessed the, the the degree to which we've moved forward, I think, this year already. And then you see, you know, news from around the world of cities and states and different countries looking to Bitcoin as a growth driver. It's it's pretty exciting. I mean, there is news two weeks ago about the country of Laos um, looking to get $200 million from Bitcoin mining. Um, that that that's kind of pretty amazing. This is stuff that two years ago I would have been kind of, I would have censored. I wouldn't have mentioned these things to investors and clients because I would have thought they would think it's too hyperbolic, right? Yeah. No, we are we are very much ahead of schedule. Like the the uh, already on a micro strategy move last year was like very surprising that uh, that this this is happening and some giga chat like Michael Saylor is going in there, and now we have. Um, Naip Bukele looking at his incentives and um, seeing that uh, the whole dollarization of his country isn't isn't really working for his people, and he just opens the the door to another option. And um, now he understands, like, oh, I can also use Bitcoin um, for these Bitcoin bonds and and have a completely different incentive structures and um, and and can can really uh, just innovate here. And on top, I, I, I can bring in Bitfinex and Ifinex to help me with the securities regulation and to be become really crypto friendly. And they have a massive advantage because they're moving so early because I follow the discussions here in Panama where they have like, I don't know, three different proposals for crypto laws and it's all crypto assets and whatever. And the, it's like 20 pages of law and they actually don't need one because by definition, the constitution doesn't allow legal tender to be defined here by the government. So um, it's like they're all over the place. And then the banks are not really crypto friendly when you send money from a crypto exchange to a bank here or send from the bank to the crypto exchange, they basically ask a, a ton of questions and probably uh, close your bank account. So uh, El Salvador has a, a massive opportunity to become the regional America's crypto and uh, Bitcoin fintech hub, really. And they, they, they really understand us now. Yeah, that, that that's really exciting. So why do you think we are so far ahead of schedule? What do you think is driving it? It was already quite crazy before with negative interest rates and everything's happening around the euro and huge questions marks about uh, the, the future of the financial system and the rumors around CBDCs. And um, what's happening now with the coronavirus and uh, all, the all this response to the, the government response to it. Like if you look at these charts of money printing, it's like, um, it's so crazy that uh, a lot of people... Um, now uh, taking a step back and say, hold on, let me really do my research on what are the options here to protect myself against inflation, financial repression, excessive taxations. How do I change my whole perspective or things? So it's like Bitcoin really forces people to put everything on the head and, 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 and question fundamental stuff. And the same is happening with Corona. People are now into this new uh, normal paradigm and certainly a lot of people don't don't really 
agree with a lot of stuff that happens and, and this is driving forward the, 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 uh, this narrative. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. I think also that investors, whether they're retail or institutional, are herdish. And you really just need one person um, to step forward and, and to kind of mm-hmm. to drive a shift in, 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 in thinking. And we saw that, I think, from an, on the investment side from Paul Tudor Jones when he came out and said, hey, I think Bitcoin is an interesting inflation hedge and it's also really small and I think it could get really big. So it's probably got a big you know beta kicker on top of it. And then, as you mentioned, Michael's strategy was the person that came forward um, on the corporate side. And, and drew of the whole concept of people putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And then you see Tesla, you see Apple looking at it. You see all the listed miners kind of getting rewarded for having more Bitcoin on their balance sheet, right? So the guys with the biggest amount of Bitcoin on their balance sheet have the, the best valuations. And, and I think El Salvador is probably the example for sovereign states. So if we flash forward in a year, there's probably, you know, I'm sure the other dollarized economies are looking at it. And um we might see a lot more people, especially if it works out. If we see price appreciation continuing and, and that work out well for El Salvador, um, it, it could be a template that's repeated, I think, in a lot of other jurisdictions. And, and as we were talking about before, I think you've never had a better time for kind of investment immigration, right? With so many people being moved to remote work, um, the investment side or the immigration side of it is is really compelling. And especially like if you look at the different options, um, when they do the Bitcoin bond and it, there's a residency attached to it or a passport by, by investment or something, and you don't have to buy the real estate there, but you can buy the, you just make the initial investment and then you can use the, the bonds you have as collateral or you sell the bonds again, but you, you took the in, initial investment of a hundred thousand and Attached to this, there is some 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 way to residency or, or, or passport even after five years. I think that's a huge factor for for a lot of um, digital nomads and 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 Bitcoiners who are, who are looking for uh, for relocation and and for for a better place for their family and and the, the, their future basically. You've been to El Salvador recently. What what are your thoughts on El Salvador as a potential immigration destination? Do you think it's realistic? I've seen people on Twitter have some pushback on that. I have been two times there now in july i was there the first time and we had like me and nicola from bitcoin beach we had and some other people Fode and the group and aaron we had meetings with banks and everybody and, and companies and we were quite surprised that there was like very waiting and stuff so we then really pushed forward to create a meetup there the bitcoin meetup and also the adopting bitcoin conference like the bitcoin beach and the galloy team really went in and said like okay we take this on our profit and loss let's 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 go do it and they created a great event around adopting Bitcoin. And we had like 700 people at the Adopting Bitcoin conference, very Bitcoin focused. And then around there was a La Bitcoin, which is more like on the crypto side, let's say, on things. And um, so there was a great event from La Bitcoin as, as well. I mean, there was a little bit more on the party side than on the technical crypto side. And But we nerds were in the Sheraton. And, <laughs> but we had a great time with, with these folks too. And for my security perception, so I've been to Brazil, I've been to various Latin American countries. Um, I felt secure. You have to certainly be careful, follow the, the basic rules, uh, take an Uber everywhere you go. Don't walk around uh, funny neighborhoods at night and, and be, be aware who you are around with and, and don't do, don't do um, stupid stuff. But I felt safe all the time. Um, they're making a great effort um, to, to have security. Um, I mean, they have a bit of a tainted history, but um, they know they have to 
to uh, to to bring a, a good offering on the security side there. Another one than that, it is very Americanized um, due to two million Salvadorans being in the US, and like you have everything in the malls you need. Um, probably shipping is also no problem. That you when you need something specific, there are shipping services probably from the US. This is how it works here in Panama. You ship something to Miami, and then they ship it here to Panama. So I think it's a great location. The climate in San Salvador is uh, is is very very comfortable. Uh, Bitcoin Beach is probably hot and humid and like a little surf town. They probably need a little bit more infrastructure there. But um, for for Bitcoiners, it's uh, it's ground zero. It's it's our sandbox, and uh, I recommend everybody to at least consider spending some days there and and spending some sets and and experience for yourself what it's like to go from the little pupusa, little uh, taco store and pay with Bitcoin there. And then the next day you go to um, Starbucks and buy a coffee and it's all happening on lightning. And it's, it's really, it's, it's just an amazing experience, I must say. That's very cool. And what are your thoughts on their proposed Bitcoin city? I think the, the way of financing is, is very interesting and the Bitcoin bonds, but the Bitcoin city, we had an excursion as a, like we had a delegation of 35 Bitcoiners from Germany and Austria and Switzerland. So like uh, a bunch of toxic German Bitcoiners, you can imagine like lots of uncomfortable questions asked to the Salvadorians and we visited the uh, geothermal plant and I didn't feel like they had a lot of um, uh, plans up the pipeline and so I would be interested in like which are the projects which are ready to build and I coming originally from the renewables industry putting up wind parks and stuff before I left this industry to go to Bitcoin so I know that there is like a, you need a you need to develop a project. You need all the permits. You need all the the, the planning and and all the technology and all the, the delivery contracts, so you can really start financing all this and building this. So I would be a little skeptical on how fast they can can develop this geothermal mining infrastructure around the the volcano they they put out there. And I would rather see a more organic way of developing the city. The city looked very planned. I mean, there was probably more, they should probably have more a market-based approach. And then I would, as a free private city uh, fan and a Citadel guy, I would be interested in how the city is run, who is the city council, um, how is the whole taxation thing organized? Is there... Um, what is the the contract? Um, is there a contract between the um, the citizen and uh, the city operator, um, or do we have like this old social contract where the government can change uh, quality of services and the fees collected all the time? So I, I rather would like to see some experimentation for that, and I, I'm pretty sure that the Free Private Cities Foundation and also the development company of uh, where Peter Young and uh, Titus Gebel are engaged, they, they would love to come in and help consulting and how to structure this best. So I would love to see a special purpose vehicle around this and and uh, and, and have it a little bit of an arm's length to the to the government. But I think it's it's viable and the demand is here. Um, people want something like this, and of course the whole taxation uh, tax offering is is is, is very interesting. But um, 
I think if you just probably at the beginning, if you just put a road and give the guys a Starlink satellite with good internet and uh, a, a bunch of barracks, I'm 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 there tomorrow. <laughs> that sounds like a bit of a hard sell to my wife, but uh, <laughs> but I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, so and and what about you know um, El Salvador's Bitcoin, um, the volcano bond. I mean, a volcano bond. Uh, I mean, Samson, I think, tweeted yesterday or something like um, every every bond or every emerging market bond without a Bitcoin component is now uh, a junk bond. And um, I think it has the potential to be a real game changer here because, uh, as I understood, you have the 10-year bond, you pay 6.5%. And um, after five-year lockup, um Half, and I don't think it's half. So you have 1 billion and half, 500 million go into Bitcoin, 500 million go into infrastructure. And then there was actually a question is like, how do you, how does this Bitcoin booster work? Yeah. So the idea is that after five years, once they've recovered their initial $500 million, mm-hmm. then, you know, they, they would be able to um, sell off the Bitcoin slowly on a quarterly basis. So you're limited on what you could sell per quarter, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want to impact price too much. And half of that would then go back to um, the investors in the form of a special dividend. And so El Salvador themselves, they could decide if they want to keep the Bitcoin and build a long-term strategic kind of position, or if they want to recoup their $500 million. So that's kind of how it's how it's structured. Okay, interesting. That's the idea. Yeah, I think another interesting component to that is that you could have that $500 million worth of Bitcoin kept with a custodian offshore. Right. So that significantly reduces your default risk. And if you look at how people are looking at their sovereign debt at the moment, right, they factor that into it. But if you take half of the money they've raised and it's out of their hands, it's offshore, and they're only getting it released to them on a quarterly basis after five years, um, then I think the default risk is reduced significantly. I think this is what I was was wondering about is who's custodying this these Bitcoin. And if you put it into a multi-sig between... Uh, some some traditional custodians and you i think that this is really very important that you that you really can make sure money is repaid and the bitcoin booster gets 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 started at some point and there's no like uh, say uh, issue when there is like a a problem in El Salvador because it's a Central American country. Uh, we have seen problems there. If you listen to the different stories in the different countries, it's 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 a tricky region. And but if you can take this risk off the table for the investors, it's a it's a huge one. It's a huge one. I would have another question on these Bitcoin bonds. Is like, do you um, like who's buying these bonds at the beginning? Because we have these liquid tokens then, and we are very excited and. Uh, is there any, uh, probably you cannot tell us yet, but um, I would expect that there's a special purpose vehicle for uh, hedge funds or for traditional fixed income investors. Um, is there is there anything in, in, the, in the planning? Yeah, I, I think we definitely, so access is one of the key things that we need to bridge. That's one of our key challenges is to make sure that this is a product that traditional mainstream investors can interact with as much as possible. So that's a challenge for us. The SPV route is is definitely a route that I think we would pursue. Um, but I would expect it to be similar to the Blockstream mining note where it's skewed heavily towards high crypto net worth and then very nimble institutional investors, right? People like family offices and hedge funds. And I've had a number of those people reach out already. So I think there's definitely a lot of interest um, we do are very interested to see how much interest there will become there will be from kind of 
you know, the bigger guys, pension funds, those kind of people, I would expect it to be a lot of interest, but not a lot of trigger pulling with this first bond. But I think if we can successfully execute a billion dollars, then that will motivate a lot of people to take a closer look at this thing. But you can just look at the bond prices right now. Um, you know, the reaction by investors is there's a lot of uncertainty, right? So they're, they're, they're naturally very skeptical. But I think we as Bitcoiners, we're used to people being skeptical and we kind of welcome the criticism and the opportunity to kind of to, to make our pitch. So I think the next, the, the, the one after this one will probably be, you know, heavier participation from slower moving, bigger investors. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's basically a government bond. So probably um, from the statutes, a lot of investors would be actually as emerging market fixed income investors, a lot of them would be able to invest. And it just has built in this Bitcoin kicker booster. And, and, and I think that's, a, that's the game changer. So if you are a fixed income manager in emerging markets, and you are looking for yield and you're looking and, and like two years or three years ago, uh, people were buying a 100 year Argentinian bond, uh, like, like, which is insane. I mean, there was also a 100 year Austrian bond, which is also crazy. I think if you mix into your uh, portfolio as a small position with the El Salvador bond and you have the Bitcoin kicker, the Bitcoin kicker can basically rescue your whole portfolio. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think the main challenge is access. You know, how well are we able to interact with, um, you know, mainstream broker dealers, custodians, those kind of people that tick the boxes that make it easy for those kind of institutional investors to put money into this thing. Um, you know, there's clearly a massive pent up demand for Bitcoin. I think you can see that in a number of places, right? You can see that in the premiums that the listed miners have been trading at for most of this year. You can see that in the blowout ETF launches in Australia and the US. And you can see that in the fact that MicroStrategy is able to continue to issue debt to buy Bitcoin. So there's a huge amount of demand with institutional investors trying to get into Bitcoin, but it's being frustrated by regulatory and mandate limits. And so kind of our thoughts on this is we can wrap this up in a lower volatility package um, that gives them some exposure to, to Bitcoin upside, kind of similar to the Blockstream mining note, really. That's, that's really great to hear. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. <laughs> this, is, this is just like another curveball that Bitcoin uh, is throwing at us and the opportunity is unique. And I'm, I'm really happy that you guys managed because like, I got a little heads up early on with the volcano bonds and there were some rumors, but I thought like, okay, it was maybe uh, withering down. But um, yeah, you, you pulled this off. So it's, uh, well, you have... It's, it's still it's still to execute. We we still have to execute. So no 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 flowers yet. <laughs> the details. So last question. Um, kind of running out of time. But before we go, what what excites you most about the world of Bitcoin? Looking forward into the future. Uh, the world of Bitcoin. What excites me most is like is really El Salvador at the moment. It's it's it was an amazing week. Um, I already have uh, like FOMO going back and. I just can tell everybody like this is it this is this is amazing and on the technical side i mean we see we see the lightning network really becoming what it's promised to be and a little bit um i think liquid is just early and we we have to keep developing this so i'm, I'm very excited for all of that and um yes I, I think we we have a great tool here to maybe not fix everything but if you fix the the, the money layer and we have a really good shot at it now. 
um, we we can we can we can do we can we can we can change a lot of stuff here and improve a lot of stuff and build an alternative financial system and that's what I signed up for four years ago and um, so and a lot of others and it's 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 great to be uh, on that mission with with all the other Bitcoiners and to to come to this conferences also and and see okay I I'm not alone in my strange room here and there's a lot of people out there working on this together and uh, it's it's just it's just a great experience to 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 be on that mission that's great all right thanks a lot for talking to us today and i hope to do it again soon uh, i'll be back or or send my cto maybe <laughs> that sounds good okay great all right bye bye i hope you enjoyed this episode of blockstream talk if you want to support the show feel free to leave a review like subscribe and share it really helps us get on the right side of the social media algos and follow us at Blockstream Talk on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.